welcome back to Enjoying the Journey. I'm so excited to have Heather in studio, like for real. We're not doing a Zoom this week. We get to have a in-person conversation. Really excited about it. Super glad that Heather is Graceville because I was not prepared to have somebody <laughs> in person. I had not done enough research on how are we actually going to record this. Zoom makes it easy. You Hit record and away you go. But thank you so much for being uh, on Enjoying the Journey today, in-house, in-person. I think thank you're you. only our second guest in person. So this is this is good. And sorry, uh, everybody complains this room is really hot. So if it's right. too warm, I, I apologize, but it's cold outside. It's and, cold. And I, I, like I like it warm. I, love I like it warm. Mm -hmm. But for those uh, that have never heard of Heather uh, Kittleson, correct? Did correct. I say it right? You said it right. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I would love to. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely. really good to see you. I am a small town girl from soup or from southwestern Minnesota called Slayton. I have three older brothers and a mom and dad who um, we were raised in a very, very just loving, a loving home. My dad uh, comes from a little bit of a, a tougher background with a lot of alcoholism in okay. his, his side of his family. Um, but we, uh, I was raised with some really great mentors. So I went to Mankato State, graduated from Slayton, went to Mankato State and uh, got my L-Ed degree. What's that? Elementary, elementary oh, education. I should know this. My wife's a kindergarten <laughs> teacher. Uh, Maybe we can edit that part out. <laughs> My wife will be like, what? L-Ed. There you go. L Elementary. Got it. Uh, with a coaching emphasis. So then I was coaching volleyball for a while. Mm. Uh, then I graduated from Mankato State and I moved home for just a little bit to, to Slayton to student teach in Wyndham, but then uh, moved up to Minneapolis and moved in with some of my mm. college friends up there. So my background in my faith journey, because I know that that's part of why I'm here today, um, in Slayton, I was an athlete, and um, I, I would like to say that I was well-liked. Um, everybody in our town, it's a small town, so every sure. everybody's just great, right? And um, I did not get into the drinking and the partying scene until I was a, probably like into my junior junior year. Hmm. Um, I started hanging out with some of a different, different bit of a crowd, and I knew that it was prevalent. I knew that there was drinking and there was drugs. There kind of is in all these littler sure. towns, but I just had always kind of turned a cheek to it because I was in sports. And my brother, who was closest to me, always seemed to be getting caught and getting in trouble. So mm -hmm. I was very well aware that it was it was a thing. Yeah. And I didn't actually want to go down that path. Sure. Uh, but once I got to Mankato State, I am a free spirit, someone who loves to be the center of, well, not anymore, but used to love to be the center of attention and mm -hmm. bring people together and be the one to invite people in and make people feel comfortable. And so I loved attending all the different camping, um, all the church church sure. groups, the church camps, attended a thing called ATEC, Adults and Teens Encounter Christ. Yep, heard of it. In the southwestern Minnesota area. Um, so I had a great sense of what the community was like, the, the, the Christian community, and I loved it. I loved the acceptance. I loved the hype. There's so much hype behind that, right? Like yes. you get all this, it's like you're intoxicated, the beginning of the intoxication, right? Yep. And you're like, yep. this is a high I've never felt. Yes. And then it's almost after the fact, if you're not still plugged into it, it's almost like you go through this emotional roller coaster of 
being super sad and withdrawal. Withdrawal. Yeah, because I remember you guys called it AD Tech. We called it Tech here in Northwest Iowa, okay. which came out of Minnesota. Oh, okay. So I went to Tech One, Northwest Iowa. Tech One. That's still a thing. It's still a thing right? here yeah. in Northwest Iowa. I don't know what number they're on now, but it's not one. And I did not go for the spiritual high. I did not go because I was looking for it. I went. You went for the girls. No, I went because oh. I had to. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the girls. Well, aren't but you a PT? Or P, P, what's PK, it called? PK. Pastor's kid. Yeah. Yeah, I was going through some things back then. I think, uh, I think it was a sophomore in high school and I got sent. I had four options and that was one of them. And they were not good options. Go confess, son. Go uh, it was a uh, boys home. Okay. Military school. That's right. It, or, or um, what was it? Boys home, military school, tech, or a counseling or, or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, I'm not going to any of them. But I did go to a tech. And I remember that the very first one in Northwest Iowa. And I know exactly what you're describing. Well, first of all, I hated it for mm-hmm. the first day and a half. Tried to run. I think if I remember right, I don't think this was summer camp, but I think it was tech where we had to put our shoes in the middle of the room at night, the guy's room. Okay. Because we would. Oh, I was full planning on getting Running. out there. Yep. And then it was, you know, a day and a half because it's, it's a weekend long. Mm-hmm. Ours, ours was. Yeah. By uh, that that evening, the closing, yeah, the spiritual high that you're describing, the connection was unbelievable. And so you do, you come out with this unbelievable feeling of connectedness, this high, this emotional. But then about a week later, it's like, whoa. Yeah. For those for those people who aren't involved in it and you go back into this this world with them. That, right. that weren't there they don't right. they don't get it they don't understand right. it and you're you're and drinking you're all the kool-aid now, now yep. yeah yep. everyone's like what did they do to them or do to her oh, I, I remember those uh-huh. exact comments but i loved the more i attended them the more they were like oh heather's going on those things again ah. here she you know yeah uh so they were getting used to it but i same thing at, at church camp going away for the week-long church camps i would recommend that for any mothers and fathers who want their children to experience the just the grace and the love that a camp can give because I got it at home and like we went to church but we were the kind of family that walked the line where Mm. we were the Sunday church goers and then but probably hung over you know like going out to the local dance hall at Key Largo Saturday night was a good time Saturday night was a good time um I mean, I just, I was raised around alcohol. So mm-hmm. for me, I was, I would say I wasn't confused because I knew the difference on what some of my uh, friends' moms, I had one, one lady who really just always represented the full, just yumminess that Christ brings mm-hmm. out of a person, the joy, the love, the peace, the patience, the fun, the actual fun chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, that in, and through all of that, the love that comes out of it, I experienced that and I thought, so this is a thing like this is I I can be this kind of a woman. Well, if you fast forward through college, the one thing that I also wished and I will I will say this to all my friends and to hopefully for my children. I wished I would have gotten plugged in to a Christian group or a church of some kind when I was at Mankato State because I went so far the other direction where I worked in a restaurant. I went to school full time. And I partied full time. Mm. Um, there's no reason I should be alive today from the amount of alcohol I consumed at Mankato State. Mm. Um, 
I think back to the times that we got behind the wheel and I believe I would have had a little bit more discipline and obedient, obedience in my heart if I would not have fallen away so far. Sure. And, um, and then came watching my friends do drugs and stuff at Mankato state. I was like, wow, this is, that was like marijuana was about the only thing that I ever like experimented or Mm -hmm. whatever, but there was, there was some hardcore things there that it just was a thing. Sure. It was accepted. It was at every party. So Mm. I never viewed it as wrong or sinning or, you know, just the recreational fringe, the things that go on in colleges, it's actually, it's very scary. Sure. So when I graduated from Mankato state and then moved to Minneapolis with the same friends, it started back even into the professional world. I was looking for teaching jobs, but I got a job as an executive assistant downtown Minneapolis. Mm. And that was an, that was a fun experience. I was recruited out of the restaurant from a a couple that saw potential in me got a taste of what that was like. And I really enjoyed the, um, just the multitasking that it takes Mm -hmm. to be an executive assistant. There's never a dull moment. And then I met somebody who was 10 years older than I was, and we were married within six months. And that's when my world, um, I saw a a Heather and that I, that I wanted. And Mm -hmm. that was identified at that age with that girl at camp. Mm because I was starving for simplicity. I was starving for the white picket fence. Um, I was 24 thinking, gosh, this party life has to be over. Like I've been doing this for six, seven years now. Like I'm, I was really tired, tired of seeing the destruction and the sinful world around me. Yep. And I knew that there was something better because I'd Mm -hmm. had it. I had tasted that at camp. Back at church camp or AB tech. Yes. Yes. And then the individual that I ended up marrying, um, it was complete. It was the opposite of what I expected a marriage to be like. Mm. Um, it, my, my whole family had warned me. They um, actually did an intervention and my dad would, would describe it as, um, in the nicest way possible, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. Sure. And I was bound to determined. I was kind of, I'm, I'm a stubborn stubborn headed. And, um, when they said I couldn't, that drove me a little bit further into, oh yeah, watch this. <laughs> and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, he was boring. Like, cause that's what I wanted. He ate broccoli and chicken. And I don't know if I've ever, ever heard that before, but that, I, that, that is good. I enjoyed that. They were boring. Yeah. That's and great. only for a little while. <laughs> right, right. Cause then it continued on for the five years. And, um, I, I have all the forgiveness in my heart because we have a 14 year old son Mm. and we have, I have grown just so much when it comes to my faith and forgiveness and the walk that I went through, um, in those five years being really secluded, very, um, I, what, I mean, I was very, it, it was a very controlling situation where I was, I had to agree with things. I had to act a certain way. I had to I was taken away from all my friends. I was taken away from all my family. It was very much a, I, I, I thought it was more of like a religious abuse. Mm, and sure. I know that that is a real thing where he used religion and re- used the things like, if you do not marry me, you will burn in hell for an eternity because this is the Lord's will for our life. Or things like, um, 
yeah, there was just, there were, there were things that were said that I was just like, whoa, I'm immature in my faith at this time. And okay, like, okay, but that's not who I am. Cause mm -hmm. I don't, I don't do that now. You know, like right. I've learned so much from that as to being who God really truly created me to be in his image and the things that he would say, I look back on now and I'm like, wow, how did someone like me with such a free spirit fall for, fall for that? Like, how did I mm -hmm. really allow myself to be manipulated, to be controlled? Um, how did like my, everyone else saw it around me, everybody, right. my family, my friends, everyone saw it around me. And they would say, where did our Heather go? Where did our Heather go? And um, just the, it's, the pride and all the things that you, when you look back into that, I'm like, you know what? I would like to say I didn't know better, but now I'm glad that I do know better and I can tell people and I can speak to people about it because there's a lot of narcissism that was involved in that. Mm. And I can spot that from a long, long way away now. Ugh. And there's a lot of individuals in narcissistic relationships or in relationships that are extremely controlling. And there's a lot of fear that comes from that. Sure. So um, I guess if anyone's listening and they are in a situation, I I would be more than happy Rob, to be connected to somebody mm. if they were to reach yeah. out to you, because that story goes very deep and there's so much more to it. And I know our right. time's limited. So um, let's just say in 2009, I had the strength to get out of that situation. And I had my family and friends wrap their arms around me during that time because Jacob was only about one year old and I had to move from a different state back or get home. I had to get home. And so they knew that I was coming home and they knew the situation that I was in and they um, walked beside me the entire way. Awesome. And how, how did you get the strength? Where did, I mean, where did that, did you just wake up one morning and be like, oh, I finally realized what they were saying or hmm, God's really pressing something on me. I need, I need to move. So going back to if somebody is in this, they're listening right now and they identify with everything you're saying, but they are scared to death to even begin to think that there could be a different future. Right. What triggered you to go, there can be a different future? I, when Facebook was just a thing in 08, yeah. oh. <laughs> I was sitting on the carpet with my little guy who was just, just a, teeny, I think he was like three, four months old. And, um, we had gone down to one car. So we sold my car, just mm -hmm. a little more control factor. Um, and I got a very, very long instant message and we're talking like eight foot long. And when you think about how small yeah, instant yeah. messages are and the whole thing was brutal, it was, um, actually from an ex-boyfriend and he just simply lit into me and said, your whole entire family has mourned the death of you. Like, I don't think you know the extent of what has happened. And so by reading those words and being open to those words, cause I really shut off everybody because it just hurt to mm -hmm. missing, missing everybody. And, um, I knew I had to go see someone. So I actually walked three and a half miles to the, to the church that we had been attending. And when I walked in Rob, they, there was a lady there that said to me, we have the, one of the pastors, she came out and she grabbed my hands. It was like 10 in the morning and you know, churches are really quiet during the week. And she grabbed both my hands and she said, we have been waiting for you. And I remember 
thinking I have no idea what that means, mm. but I'm willing to understand and to listen. And so that really started um, a journey for me that was like, okay, I'm not the only one that knows I'm in a crazy situation. Like they have visibly saw this at church on Sundays. They've witnessed what I'm going through. And she mentioned inter intercessory prayer yep. to me. Yep. And I wasn't even familiar with that. And I um, was told later that the pastors and her had been in, in prayer for me and a couple of other people in the church. And um, it was a huge blessing when I walked through those doors that day. She said, God is just so good. And I started to kind of look into that a little bit more as to how is this even possible? Like God is so big. He's such an amazing God. Um, I was forced into reading the Bible and doing all the things, Sure, sure. but I wasn't sold on. I knew I had a foundation. I was a believer, but when you are forced into doing things a certain way and when there's legal legalistic, um, no grace, no, I mean, it's just all this stuff that I'm like, that's not God. That's not Jesus. That's like, he sent his son. This isn't right. Like this is, so I was really confused. So moving back here in 09, um, I am now the foundation director for volunteers of America in Sioux Falls. Mm -hmm. And, um, I am two years sober. I have four beautiful children, like I was saying, and I, or maybe I didn't even say that yet. I, in the last couple of years, I went through another really neat transition. And is that okay that I kind of move over to that for a Absolutely. second? Absolutely. This is your story. Okay. This okay. is so people understanding that, you know, we call it enjoying the journey for a reason because we have some really beautiful times in life. And then we have some really difficult. And, and it could be, you know, a controlling situation to that's only part of the story. Like if, if you peel the onion back, so to speak, if, if you go to all the layers, there, there's more there. And I think that's where you're taking us now. Yeah, I yeah. am. I am. I, once I moved to Sioux Falls and um, I dated another individual for just a little bit and that did not go how I, ha I had hoped. And mm -hmm. so here I am, a single mom with a three-year-old son. Mm -hmm. And I was working for a, a really neat company as an executive and the company closed, half of the company closed down. And so now I'm a single mom, no job and living on my own. And I was, I remember thinking, this is the, la this is not how I had expected life to be, especially when I had the strength to get out of a situation I did. Right. And here I am and the sky's the limit. I'm finally doing great. And then boom, no job. So I called my parents and I said, I have never been this low before. And I found myself drinking more um, mm. in that valley. That was definitely my vice was drinking. I knew how to do that. Well, I was around that growing up. And um, again, like I said, it's in my genetics. Yep. So they came to Sioux Falls, my parents did, and we went. I said, I just want to start attending a few churches. I need to have two things in my life right now, and that is Jacob and Christ. Mm -hmm. I need my relationship back with Christ. I need to figure out who in the heck Heather is because sure. I have completely lost my identity. And the trajectory that I'm on currently, I am going to die mm -hmm. because um, I just, I saw just the dark. I saw the sure. really dark, and I wanted out of that. Yeah. So we went to a church called Falls Church 
And um, I told my parents before I walked in there, I said, I, I, I truly want no men in my life. That is the one place that I want to run as far as I can, because for nine years now, I feel like I've had a very controlled situation mm-hmm. from um, just the narcissistic personality attracted themselves to me. I'm like, why is that? I, mm-hmm. what am, who, what am I doing that is falling for this type of an individual? Um, because I, I'm a good person. <laughs> like, you know, I kept thinking right. I'm actually fun. I'm a fun, very loving, kind, free spirited. Like I just, I, I love people. So why do I find the people that want to take that from me? Hmm. The people that don't want me to be the butterfly that God created me right. to be. They're trying to suffocate that, right? Hmm. Chop those wings off. That's, that's what I want to do to this beautiful soul. Like that's what was happening. So, sure. um, my mom is a wonderful woman, but she's always being the only girl, put me on a pedestal of look at my daughter. Uh, this isn't she beautiful? Oh, she's so great. So everywhere I'd go, I feel like I was on display. Oh. Um, and I would go, I wanted, I wanted to get away from, I just don't enjoy that. I, um, just the humble side of me is like, nope, that is not, I am, I don't want to represent that. So we're at church and sure enough, my mom elbow checks me in the rib or elbow and she points out this guy at church first church that she came with me sure. and i um gave her a look that she about crawled into a hole and because i was so mad so i ended up um avoiding that whole situation she found out everything there was to know about this this man and i left with jacob from church without talking to him and then it was a week and a half later i was at a chamber mixer and amos my husband now happened to be at the same chamber mixer Mm. and it was that same guy at church um i cannot imagine my life without amos he is my absolute best friend and um he has i I mean the rest of you think about life and the journey that you're on so when you talk about enjoying it yep this man is by far the way that I am going with Christ and Amos, like the sky is the limit. He, mm. He's been the most supportive and loving man through um, these last 10 years. So we have three beautiful little girls together. Jacob is 14. And then we have our uh, seven, five, and three Ooh. little girls. Yes. And everything has been wonderful. We still, I want to get back into the alcohol piece of it because um, I was I am no longer, but the high functioning alcoholics that live in this world. Sure. Um, it's a very scary place to be because I, as a woman, went through the everybody needs something from me. Mm. I do everything for everybody else. The exhaustion, the time consuming world and life around us. Um, very faith. Our, my faith grew as Amos and I got married and. Um, I witnessed his mother as one of the most beautiful, angelic Christian women I've ever met. And so I have, when we lost, Amos and I were dating and his brother was diagnosed with leukemia, Nate, and he was only 20. And um, I got to watch them, the way that they um, operated in a very, which could have been a very dark, very um, sad, driven situation it was a grace joy um the way god worked through their family just to me i got to take kind of the perimeter Mm -hmm. view and watch as 
Amos's girlfriend with how this family was dealing with a tragic situation. And I was in awe. I was like, how can they be okay with this? How are they not losing their mind and mad? Why are they not mad? Hmm. They were, I mean, I'm sure they, they, after talking with them and I'm excited um, to share their story someday, but they, um, it was just a different world. Yeah. And this was the world that I wanted to be a part of the part, the part of the world that has an eternal mindset versus an earthly mindset that celebrates this 20, 20 year old man who was one of God's greatest warriors at a, at 20, so mm-hmm. young and such a strong believer. And yet they're celebrating that he went to, went to heaven. Right. I'm like, ah, how does that happen? So I want to be that. So then I was working on that in our marriage and it, it, it was awesome. I loved being Amos's wife, who was a believer. And I wanted to be this wonderful, um, godly woman for him. I wanted to be better and better every day for us, for our marriage. I wanted to breathe life into him. And I know the only way to do that is to just give my all to Christ and allow him to use me and the people around me, but also as his wife. And um, we had a really great marriage. Uh, I mean, we still would periodically have a drink here and there. Um, we drink with my family. It did cause some problems. And there was one time that I did hide a bottle and he found it. Mm. And then I said, I, okay, fine, I'm done. And I did, I stopped, we stopped drinking. Um, but then if you fast forward a few years, we had Stella who was five and a half and she had a few, um, issues in utero with her kidneys and different things. And so when she was born, I I lived in the state of fear a little bit as to what was going to happen. And so I found myself drinking a little bit more than the little bit of postpartum depression, but not to the extent of what I hear other people going through. So I just kind of excused it. Mm -hmm. Then Evelyn is born and um, I was only a part-time working for um, BOA. And then I was part-time helping with Amos's, my husband's technology business. And so I had time on my hands per se. And I had Evelyn and realized that I was numb to the world and I had no feelings at all, like emotionally, spiritually, physically, all of it. I was so numb to the world. And I, um, again, didn't really know postpartum depression didn't understand people and they would talk to me about it. But then all of a sudden here I am experiencing it and experiencing it to the absolute max and depression right now. Mental health is a really big thing in, in what we're going through in our society. And it's very scary because I um, turned to alcohol even more so because I knew I was good at that. That's the one thing I could do for myself. And it spiraled completely out of control. Um, I, was full blown into my disease. And on December 5th of 2000 and 2019, I'd had enough. I was so scared of hurting my family. So um, I was gonna take pills and drink a whole lot of vodka and just be done. And the, I'm not, suicide to me is like, I never thought that would ever cross my mind. But the more I thought about the destruction that 
I saw happen around me from my family, my extended family, because we've lost my grandma and grandpa and we've lost aunts and uncles to alcoholism. And the truth is you either quit or you die. There is no in between that you either get help and you quit or it will kill you. And along that journey of that, you will hurt everyone in your path. And I just did not, I thought if this is truly, if I have this gene and this genetic, I am not going to put my family through this. And the good Lord turned my husband's car around that morning. And when he got home, I looked at him and said, what are you doing here? And he said, I don't know, but God told me to come home. And I'm so grateful that he is in tune (laughs) with the Holy Spirit because I would not be here if he would not have turned his car around that day. I checked in December 17th. I went away for 30 days as a mom of four Mm -hmm. and um, a wife and my husband gracefully just said, go take care of Heather. You are, you've taken care of everyone else around you, but it's time for you to take care of you. And as much as I did not want to go, I went and it's the best thing I ever did in my entire life because I'm two years sober. And now I thank you. And I've never had a stronger relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm on a mission to help bring awareness to the depths of what addiction and because just alcoholism is a, um, it's a very ugly beast right. and the way that it can sneak up on you. And um, my husband and I will speak. And we've gone back to where I went to treatment and spoke there. And sure. the one thing that he has said to me is that the hardest, um, I don't remember exactly how he words it, but it's like, my wife didn't have a, is it not? Okay. <laughs> my wife did not, have, didn't have a choice. She didn't choose this. So the wife, the mother, the amazing woman that this, person is that this does not define her. Um, and there's so much humility and there's so much pride and there's so many things that go into this. And I just laid it all down because in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, um, I just, I have a great community of people that have wrapped their arms around me. There's a lot of people I do not know my full testimony because I was extremely high functioning. Sure. And, um, in the community, people are starting to hear about my testimony, about my journey. And they're like, Heather, we had no idea. We had no idea that you were going through that. And yet you were at functions and you were out smiling and happy and you're sitting on the executive team at VOA mm-hmm. and we had no idea. So it's dangerous how easy it is for someone with the capacity like, like a, like a Heather to hide and to um, take a back seat and remove myself and yet still be present in the public. Mm-hmm. So I, for anybody who's out there, and, and now that I started to share my story more, Rob, yep. God, every morning I say, God, use me, use me, use me, use my story, use whatever it is so that I can represent you to the fullest. Because without you, like I give 100% all, all the credit, all the glory, everything to him, because I would not be alive if it was not for him. Absolutely. And he has redeemed my life. I laid it at the cross and um, now people are coming out of the woodwork. My dad, my mom, my husband, my son, and people are crying out for help because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being able to represent Christ in that is just really cool. Oh, 
that's good. Heather, as we end our time together today, we always like to ask our guests on enjoying the journey. If you could have anybody on this journey with you, who would it be and why? I already have him on the journey with me, and that's my husband. And the reason is because he loves me for who I am unconditionally, and we're just a really, really good team. We are always speaking life into one another, and we... In both of our positions, him being a business owner, me being a, a big part of VOA, and then for kids, just what we have going on around us and, and supporting our church and volunteering at different things, we make a very good team. We just work. Um, and it's going to be an incredible rest of this journey with him because I just I can't wait every single day to wake up next to him. That's awesome. I think most married couples listening right now would be like, I sure hope my spouse thinks that about yeah. me. I can't wait to wake <laughs> yeah. up next to them. And as we, as we wrap up, are, are there, we talked about a lot today. Are there any takeaways you'd like to leave listeners today? If you ever feel the nu a nudge, know that that's the Holy spirit. I remind myself my, or my children, those around me all the time that God is working in us each and every day. And if Amos would not have, not have listened on the fifth, um, I may or may not be here. And so anytime you feel like you should reach out to call of someone or someone's heavy on your heart, um, especially with what's going on in our community, communities in the world with right. mental health and stuff, you could be that one person that stops somebody from making a lifelong decision um, and not for the good. Even for actually for the good and for the, for the bad to be, because yeah. I could reach out to you and say, Hey, God, I saw something in you yeah. and it could change the trajectory of someone's life. So absolutely. I, as you say that, I think of this, I was going through some thank yous. Oh, it's been quite a while ago, but this one was signed different than any other that I had seen. And I said, cheering you on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, somebody's cheering me on or cheering us on it actually then got moved into a message which was which was pretty cool but you're exactly right when you feel that nudging the holy spirit speaking to you to reach out it could be because somebody is in a very dark place or it could be you're just there to be a, an encouragement or even edify what they were thinking about maybe doing or wrestling with god you want me to go in this direction or that direction and you just have to be a voice that god is, is using yes. to speak into Ooh, That's that great. Gave me goosebumps. That is that good. Is, that is. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Rob. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast, brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.